Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Oh, hi there. Al Dukes here. Welcome to episode two of my WNEW podcast. I've been having a bit of a hard time getting some of the guys to commit. Opie seemed really into it when I first approached him, and now I can't really seem to get him to return any more of my emails. Jim Norton also seemed very interested, but I'm having a hard time getting him to commit to a time as well, so hopefully both or one of those work out. Fortunately, I was able to get time with my next guest, Ron Bennington, one half of the Ron and Fez show from the WNEW Talk Days. I had not had an extended conversation with Ron for a really long time, so it was really great to catch up with him about the WNEW years. Here's my talk with Ron Bennington. Sounds good. Is that something you even care about? Or you, you sound? Know? No, sound yeah, I do care about. I don't know. When I listen to FAN, I go, what the fuck is going <laughs> on there? No, no, sound is very important. Now, I know, like in your Florida days, you were top of the food chain, right? You were a morning show there in many cities, all the big cities, very popular. So how is it that you ended up in New York at NEW, but taking an overnight shift? Well, the whole point was, uh, you know, that show, the first show, the Ron and Ron show fell apart. Um, The shift stuff never mattered to me. And radio, I always thought it was like ridiculous. I hate it. Morning radio. So, I mean, you do it, right? It's awful. It stinks. Uh, It's it's the worst. Takes years off your life with the uh, lack of sleep and waking up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And you just really don't have a life. You you nap like like a a lunatic. So, uh, you know, I, I had never had any plans on doing morning radio again. And then, uh, you know, we're going to, okay, what are we going to do now that the, the one show had ended? And me and Fez decided we wanted to work together. And we were talking to some people. And then uh, 
Jeremy Coleman was uh, was the guy for us. And he was like, hey, we could do something, blah, blah, blah. Do you realize how many people are in this shift and that shift? And, you know, I had the things to, to roll these things out nationally and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so we said, OK, when you when you get something together, you know, give us a call. Did you meet we, him at some sort of like radio convention? Uh, no, no. I think we might have sent him something because, I mean, there was only a couple of real FM talk stations in the country then. And he was the guy, uh, you know, who had the big station in D.C. And uh, he he called us and then he flew down and hung out with us for a while. And we were like, we don't know what we're going to do. He was like, but let's do something. Um, now, after Ron and Ron had ended and you you and Fez were doing a morning show in Daytona Beach, right? Yeah, we were really doing that as kind of a, hey, can we even do this? Can we you know, what I mean, it was kind of an off Broadway deal because Fe we Fez doing. was on Ron and Ron, but he was a sort of a character, right? He was, was he like how, how how much would he talk per hour? Well, that's a, a really great question, because when we were doing rock radio, he talked way less than I personally thought. I only found out later that he didn't get a lot of mic time. Uh, and that's because, you know, I didn't really come from radio and I was laughing just as hard during the commercials and stupid rock songs than anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and and he was always hilarious to me, just the funniest. Uh, so we had to figure out uh, the broadcasting aspect of it, uh, as if it would work or not. And it was also a time that I was just getting sober like really clean for the first time probably ever and so we were kind of tiptoeing into it a little bit but having a ton of fun but not exactly sure where it was going as a matter of fact at one point i said uh why don't we just go out as a stand-up team we'll, we'll do a stand-up team like it was in 1960s and he was like i don't i'm not comfortable unless everybody knows me you know what i mean i don't want to go out and have to sell fez from the start every night and uh i still think that was a mistake yeah because i think he's hilarious in front of an audience um but you know he also always had this kind of a control thing about what he was willing to do you know what i mean like i didn't even know because he was an actor when he was in college but uh, i didn't know that he was really nervous before he went on a stage because he was always great yeah so then you, you was NEW a talk station already when you were originally talking to Jeremy or was it going to flip to talk like where where was WNEW in that process? Because I know Opie and Anthony got there when, when they were still playing classic rock music and it was Opie and Anthony and all the old rock jocks who yeah. had, had seen a change coming. So certainly they Opie and Anthony weren't really welcomed when they got there. No, they won't. They've never been welcomed anywhere in their careers. That's <laughs> the that's the beauty of those guys. <laughs> um, no, uh, they had flipped, I think, right before. But whoever was the PD uh, was gone. And, uh, you know, and then Ken and Jeremy came in as GM and PD. And he said, Do you guys want to go to New York. And, and I always wanted to live in New York my whole life. We're like, we got to do this. 
but you had already had a, a family. So was that weird to say, hey, we're going to up and go to New York when you had lived in Florida most of your life? Well, first of all, I hadn't lived in, they had lived in Florida. My kids had, lived yeah. in Florida their life, but uh, no, my kids uh, loved it. Uh, they love New York City. They're not like you. Yeah. Uh, where you're some kind of suburban weirdo. Mm-hmm. Um, they were very cool people and still are cool people. They were so, like it. we. Yeah, we we jumped at the opportunity as a family. Like we loved it and we loved it from day one, even though moving into New York City is about as tiring as you could get. Like it's nothing is easy about New York City. And I remember at one point just being like, exhausted between personal life and then trying to figure out any w and i'm just like i don't i I feel like i work a real job all the (laughs) time you know what i mean right instead of being off at 10 o'clock in the morning yeah yeah yeah. work it all day uh and wasn't i mean it was just just living a life that uh you know it's not it's not new york city is not set up to be easy and until you find that rhythm which always takes everybody like a couple of months um but no, I didn't have any, you know, like I, I didn't have any uh, concerns about was it going to last long or not last long, you know, because I felt like, you know, I'll go do stand up or I'll do something. Well, I, I don't feel like I put a lot of pressure on uh, myself or my family about was any that a, of this. Was that a radio thing to like to get to the number one market or you just like the idea of New York? New York City. New York City was it. And it's still like New York and those telephones uh, was a high. Like it's hard to explain to anyone who doesn't do this. You know what I mean? Like I had done all of Florida and on any given night, the calls were better than all the time that I was in Florida. You know what I mean? Just callers that were hysterical. I don't know if the time you were with us that we you did comedy pyramid, yes, stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. Those things were unbelievable. And then I would just you know talk to somebody, and I go, "You're funny, man. Why don't you come down and hang out with us some nights?" And that's how we ended up with most of the producers, right? They're just people we thought were funny, and we should try to figure out you know what to do with. But that time and and on my way there, uh, a, a program director called me up because I didn't know One. And he goes, um, hey, One, fuck with everybody, you know, just be careful. And I was like, I don't give up. I don't know them. You know what I mean? I don't give a fuck because I couldn't imagine uh, worrying about such a thing. And then me and Fez were I picked him up at the airport. Me and him were driving in New York. And I think they had like an hour best of every day of ONA at a certain time. Yeah, I think from two to three before they would yeah. come on. Yeah. And we were listening to it and it was fucking hysterical. I, I remember it like Anthony was doing this Bill Clinton voice, but it was like he was on cops or something. And we were laughing our asses off and we're like, these fucking guys are, are good. You know what I mean? Like we thought, I mean, we thought radio guys were hacked because we hadn't run in, into anybody who was coming at it the way we did for all those years. So we were like already juice coming into town. And then when you were bringing like Fez, I, I felt like I could, uh, I felt like I knew what Fez was going through in some ways. Like I, I have no family as far as like, I have no wife, no kids. 
So when Fez was coming with you to New York, did you feel like you had you were bringing along another kid in Fez? Like you had to look out for him. He didn't know what New York City was. You guys really came as a group to the city, almost like yeah. a family, like he was part of the family. Well, he was part of my family in Florida. You know what I mean? Like Fez and I, because I knew Fez got into radio because I was doing radio. You know what I mean? Like I, I knew Fez from this little comedy club. I had started. He was like an open micer. And then when he graduated from college, I guess he came to me and he goes, hey, I have a degree in broadcasting. You think I could I could just come down. It's it's not a big deal. You got your degree for no reason. You know what I mean? You just come in and if you're good, it'll work out, you know. So uh, but Fez was incredibly and still is very, very close with my with my family and me. I talked to him every day just about uh and um you know i i just felt like it's something you got to take a shot at i i just don't sit around and think about things like that you know if somebody calls you up and you say and they say here's an opportunity i think the regret that you will have that it is if you play it safe you know yeah i don't know if it's like that anymore i think about that a lot like radio guys now do they want to leave you know is it better to be the big guy in tampa or because that's a great life or do you try to go to a bigger market and get get a bigger audience and try to become a success in a place like new york city i think the the biggest mistake you can make is hanging around too long anywhere you know what i mean like yeah. the only fun in radio is the startup the startup is a blast but to be that guy doing time and temp and, you know, back selling a laundry list of rock songs. That's a death sentence, man. You know what I mean? That you might as well be selling tires or something. It just doesn't make any sense to do that. What really is fun is to have a project, not a job. And, and how would you describe that show, the NEW show? And let's say the time when it was on after Opie and Anthony at seven o'clock at night. Well, when the, people the, would... Yeah. yeah, the show went through a couple of different things, right? Uh, first, uh, I remember Jeremy said, we need a hook, you know, because I, I got to sell this to uh, the bosses. And I don't know who I was talking to, but uh, but I came up with the dot com idea like, oh, this is going to be a show about websites and blah, 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 because it was the big thing yeah. at the time. And the salespeople thought it was amazing. Like they were so excited because they would come after this new money. And I remember very early on, I'd only been there a little while. We went down uh, to a place that they called Silicon Alley for some reason. There was a bunch of dot-com places and it was going to be the East Coast version of Silicon Valley. And we meet with this guy and he writes a check like I never saw in Florida. And the whole thing, it was like free phone or phone free. And you were never going to have to pay uh, bills again. No more <laughs> phone bills. You're going to talk to each other through the computer, you know? And I'm like, ah, yeah. Talk to each other through the <laughs> computer. Yeah. I love it. And they want it to be like, this is how you're going to do the show. And I'll go, yeah, we'll do that. And we'll do phones, but we'll do this too. And me and the sales guy, we lived at, lived there with this enormous check. And I don't think the thing ever worked, uh, even slightly. 
and we were going through all these stupid people who, you know, they had money and, oh, this is the way it works. And you're going to get the paybacks for every time that you buy something. I go, yeah, because people are going to buy things on the computer. Sure. I get it. And then we get a nickel back from you or whatever it is. And then we can get some kind of shoes for it or something. And then the whole dot com bubble busted. And, uh, uh, and, you know, luckily we didn't have to do that anymore. This bullshit thing that we had set up that we did like 10% of the show was that 90% was us fucking around. And you, and that was he, when the internet was weird. Like there was a guy who had a website where he was going to chop off his own foot or something. And you would talk oh, to that guy. <laughs> all kinds of shit like that. And here's the thing, as I remember, they hadn't even worked out Google yet. You know what I mean? So yeah. you were still doing ass Jeeves and people couldn't even find websites most of the time. Like people would set up a website, but how do you find, you know, everyone forgets Google put everything together. You know, Yahoo yeah. used to blow. All that stuff was crazy. So uh, then we moved down. Jeremy said, you don't have to do the dot uh, com anymore. And uh, then because, uh, you know, I, I have to tell you, I mean, I, I was crazy about ONA. Uh, I just felt like we had met guys that were much like us, because I remember when I was in Florida, uh, Sonny Fox said to me, um, you were the first guy that ever used his own name and his own voice. He goes, it totally freaked me out. This is this is that transition that I had made. And then I, I saw Anthony the same way. He was the same guy as he was off the air. And before that, you know, people were doing radio voices. You know, even shock jocks were doing radio voices. So uh, so the whole point was to, OK, ONA are doing in the going in one direction. Let's make sure we don't do the same thing. So they were heavy conversation. We went heavy phones. Uh, you know, we had na naked chicks. We had cool chicks that were listeners who would come in and party with us on Fridays. You know what I mean? Just yeah. do something that was similar, but not stepping on the show before you. And um, it was really working. I mean, it was it was it was a, a, a really hot time be doing it was still i think it might be the most fun i've ever had oh life. for sure but it was nerve-wracking too like it felt like every day that place everyone was trying to top what they had done the day before for four hours and it's like i, I felt like you couldn't keep up with that eventually you're going to hit a spot where you can't keep topping yourselves well you know that happened to us with run around where we were like we did five thousand people at this morning show the next time we want to have 7,000 people come out and, you know, we did this and that. So we always just tried to get bigger. And yeah, uh, what happens is, uh, is what happened to ONA that the, it eventually, you know, imploded on. Them. Right. Cause you have to keep pushing it a little bit at each time. Right. But see, the thing is, uh, we weren't going to do that run a Fez because we were really, not doing the stunt stuff in the same way that those guys were. And that's the dangerous part of it. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the, that's the part where you find out somebody gets hurt or, you know, whatever it happens to be that, that freaks out the straights. That's the big problem. That's the big problem for everybody now is when people who are not your audience get offended. I don't yeah. think your audience ever gets offended. You know, your audience well, could be like, that was a shitty show today. And that's it. 
Well, that was one of the things I remember Opie and Anthony when they moved to XM. I remember them saying, I don't know if it was on the air, but that the difference of being on WNEW was anybody could bump into you by accident and be offended. And that was fun. Whereas at, at XM, especially in the beginning, when they were not only on XM, but were on an additional pay channel, you had to pay to say, I want Opie and Anthony, that it was their hardcore listeners. And you were never going to run into an old lady who bumped into this station or somebody that you would offend. And they felt like they missed that part being on oh, yeah. satellite with just their fans. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know what I mean? There's nothing like doing that local scene. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing like being on in New York because it is a type rope back or it used to be back then. Nobody's doing it now, as far as I can see. Yeah. Um, and it's because, you know, I guess from a corporate standpoint, it doesn't make the same kind of sense. And uh, obviously you're going to go from being funny to being obnoxious at some point in your, uh, because of the shock is the right. big problem of it. You know, the shock, shock thing, it can't last. Now, one of the things when I first, and I had been like a long time Howard Stern listener when I got to you guys in March of 2001. So I was already like 31, 32 years old. And and being around you guys and, and seeing the way you did the radio show, I had never in my life considered that what you heard coming out of your speakers wasn't 100% real life. That never crossed my mind. And it made me rethink everything that I had listened to on Howard Stern for all those years. Was this real? Was this embellished? I had never, never run into that before. Had you guys been doing that sort of thing from, for a long from, time? First of all, not only had we been doing it, it's the way the world works. <laughs> you know I what I mean? No clue. First of all, you have to think the same thing if you're watching Fox or MSNBC. It, because they're trying to get people to come back the next day. If you're watching uh, ESPN, do you really think they're that angry? No, no more. But I did. Happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's no way that, that somebody is going to give a shit if the Knicks drop a game in April. It doesn't make sense. And yet people are, are acting like they do care. Um, so, yeah. And plus... You know, I had a carny background. Me and me and uh, uh, Fez were also very much into wrestling when we were kids. Yes. So we got the point that you're supposed to do this for an audience. You know what I mean? That has to ha there has to be story arcs all the time. Now, the the weird thing is uh, because you do have. If you're going to. To do some of these things even though you may be uh, a work instead of a shoot, uh, the work can turn into a shoot at any given time. Yes. That's, I thought, that's the danger. And the brilliance of it as well, right? So even though I knew the ball busting was part of the work, it would still piss you off and get a real reaction from somebody. Like well, even though you knew we were we were doing a trying to fill a four hour show, it would yeah. still get to the point where you were legitimately pissed off at what was going on. Of course you were, especially if in the terms of that, the other person was getting your goat. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. You can always cross a line. And uh, and, you know, Billy Staples 
was great at that. I mean, he could annoy. Uh, Joe Poo could annoy. Uh, that was the that was one of the reasons why they were there, is that they would look for weaknesses in their coworkers <laughs> and exploit it. And and I never knew a radio show where the producers didn't turn on each other or didn't look for a reason to out the other person on the air, whether it was our show or any show. And that was the other thing. When I left NEW, I had ne I never felt like after I left NEW, I never felt like I was in another place where someone was gunning for my job. And I always thought that was strange. Like at NEW, everyone was going for your job, right? So Rory was going to try to take my job or Joe Poo. And it was a legitimate thing where everyone sort of upped their game to try to impress the host to get them to give them yeah. more responsibilities on the show. And when I left NEW, it never happened again. Like no well, one was ever all, gunning for my job. Because it wasn't real then. Jeremy I, wasn't going to allow that to happen. He wasn't going to allow a boxing match decide who was going to be producer. But, but I also insane. it is insane. But I think back then, Jeremy and program directors like that wanted what the host wanted. And if the host wanted the decision to be made based on a boxing match, then that's what we were doing. And but I, I don't think it would go on today. But I do think that was a reality then that you could have gone down the hallway and go, Al lost a boxing match. He's no longer working here. And Jeremy would go, OK, well, we'll do the paperwork. I think that just goes to show how lost you were in that whole thing. The fact <laughs> no. that you still I'm still uh, lost. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you never got it. That was one of the. <laughs> things the wet behind the ears things that uh uh you were and it, it was uh the thing that that got to jeremy about us he used to call us the cruel circus because he really got what we were doing more than even other hosts did you know what i mean he understood that this was like some kind of uh just a dark circus act from the middle ages you know well i remember I mean, like kick out of it i used to annoy opie on the air opie hated me everything about it but that was all based on i felt like i was i was the puppet right and you guys were the puppet master and i asked anthony did yeah. opie know that i didn't really wasn't really that infatuated with him and all stuff he goes no he did not he no. bought it a hundred percent so here's the other part you don't know you didn't fit in there anyway you know what I mean? <laughs> you were going to annoy a guy like Opie. You know what Correct. I mean? Like everything about you, you were like, because uh, you were willing to run a dump button and right. shit like that. And sure. you would also, rather than being funny, you would try to do, like, I'll never forget you saying that you shit standing up. And I thought that that oh, yeah, was. Yeah, wiped standing up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that, first of all, you didn't say it at the time. You said that you shit. Because you said that you would be standing and holding <laughs> on to the top of the things. So so if, if you're saying now it's just wipe, you're fucking working us. <laughs> but but at the time, that was the kind of shit that ever made everybody thought that you were fucking annoying and you loved being annoying. You no, I, it was such a high when yeah. I was able to like the first time I did it, I think was when I said I was going to my cousin's wedding and I was going to give a thirty five dollar gift. Now, in right. like New Jersey you're given $200 or, you know, and I, and the people were pissed. The callers, I, you know, we pay this much for the wedding thing. 
that felt so great to contribute that, you know, but then it was like, then the show's over. What do, what do you got for tomorrow? And that's yeah, the stuff course. that I that I couldn't wrap my head around the amount of content that you had to create. And back then it wasn't even like put up on a podcast. So if somebody didn't hear it, that was it. That was your one shot of hearing it. I would also say this. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. That kind of radio is sandcastles. So if you had a win, who gives a shit? If you had a loss, who cares? And then people would also remember it way better than it ever was. You know what I mean? Like I have people still telling me that they remember these things that I don't remember happening that way all the time. You know? Well, also, I only was on the show for a year and a half. I guarantee fans of the show think I was there five years because of the amount of things that went on that yeah. were memorable in that year and a half. Well, I mean, we weren't there, you know, all that much more before you or after you. Uh, it was only a couple of years, uh, I think. Uh, and then we went to uh, uh, D.C. when N.E.W. Uh, blew up. But, um, you know, I do think that's the beauty. I mean, look at look at Earl was the same way. He did all these things. And it's not like that's not Earl what he did. Right. But he also knew that he was aggravating people. And it's not as good as being funny, but it's the next best thing. And it's very, very wrestling, because if you're not the face, you got to be a heel and you have to be a very good heel. You know what I mean? Yeah, you have and to then, fit in with the other characters of the show. Of course, of course. But you like in terms of Seinfeld, you were like Newman. You know what I mean? Now, I don't think the guys on Seinfeld hated Newman, but a big part of the audience hated him. You know? Yeah, but I also think the thing with radio that's different from TVs and movies is that I don't know if it's because it's four hours a day every day and people generally now are using their real names that you assume that more things coming out of your speaker are are 100 percent real so i think that people do think or they do legitimately don't like you from what they hear coming out of the radio and do think you are that way and, and then a part of you is that way you know it might be exaggerated right. a little bit but Oh, sure. You know, but my stories were real. I did go to the bathroom and wipe myself standing up or go standing up like I did do those things. But it was fun to get a reaction from the audience knowing that you that was a unique thing about you. Yeah, but I, I also think that is true of whoever you talk to. To me, the show that you really have to watch out for is any show who goes, we're always going to tell you the truth. That's the biggest lie. And I don't give a shit if it's political or sports. That that person is a goddamn liar when he says you're always going to get the straight thing from me. I've got it for you because he's still selling. He's still selling entertainment. But I would think I would like you and Fez would even only let in the minimal amount of people on what you were doing. Well, most of the time. And this might be even hard for you to believe is that we weren't discussing it. It was happening in the moment. You know what I mean? And sometimes the phones suck. So you're like, Billy, Al, get in here. 
what is it that you guys were arguing about? Uh, you know, you just try to get some, you're just trying to get anything going, you know? And like you said, four hours, you can't write that. You can't right. write four hours. So you're improvising. And if, if it works out that somebody says something ridiculous that they made out with their cousin or something, you're like, okay, we got to the next hour, <laughs> you know, beautiful. And, and, and for as long as I worked there, like people used to ask me, they'd be like, uh, is Fez gay? Does Fez talk like that? I'm like, I don't know. And I work there every day. I don't have the answers. I don't know what is real and what is not real. It all, it just blurs together, even well, for somebody in the mix of it. This is the complicated thing about Fez. At the time you did that, that you were there, Fez thought, he was playing a gay character. Right. And that went on his whole career. And then one day he decided, wait, you know, he was talking to a shrink and he was like, oh, I created the character that is me. <laughs> and that and that really fucked him up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was uh, th that was falling through the, you know, the whole fucking mirror for him. But I this was a funny thing when I was doing the Ron and Ron show. And like I said, I would bring Fez in and we uh, like immediately uh, knew that, you know, Fez, because he talked that way. I mean, he took, you know, the Fez Watley character is not that far ahead of him when he's just being his naturally funny self. He would sell it a little more. But if he was going to tell you uh, a funny story as himself, it would not be that far away from the kind of voice that he uses, you know? So when he used to come on and, and uh, the show, people would say, uh, Hey, it's Fez gay. It's Fez gay to me all the time. And I would never, I go, I don't know. <laughs> and then when it was Ron and Fez, people would say to me, Hey, are you guys gay? And I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? You know what I mean? Like, Hey, this all stopped being so fun. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was hilarious to, to both of us all the time and then he would always play that up and i loved the the built-in stories that went along with the various characters like the fez had a girlfriend in niagara falls ontario canada yeah. ontario canada and then you would ask for a photo of her and he'd send you a picture you'd say this is yeah. the picture that comes with the wallet well she's right. a wallet model you know it was like these just these built-in right. right and that stories. was because yeah he had plenty of comfort uh with a guy hiding his sexuality <laughs> when it turned out he was a guy hiding his sexuality uh He's so great let's call yeah. her up she's she's a logger i think she was also a yeah. logger right let's call yeah. her she's in the woods she's logging and and i will be honest like we never sat down and wrote that that's all improv he's so fast and to me when i think back over the entire time i've known him which is like i don't know it's got to be close to 30 years probably or something around that that was the funniest in my opinion he's ever been was new i mean he was just on fire and all and, the time and 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 fez had characters that would call in you had characters right. that would call in actual caller listeners would call in his characters it, it was again a mix you didn't know other than knowing right. in the studio seeing you on the phone being iris fez being uh uh, Andre the Giant or Jan Brady. But then others would call like there was a kid who called in the jobber. I don't know if that was a real kid. 
Yeah, that was a you real remember kid. That kid? Pl- what's going thing. on? Yeah, what's going on, guys? <laughs> he uh, always called to yell at me and like uh, bully me or bully yeah. whoever was in the studio. And you knew it was a little kid. Uh, Joe Jr. said that he was Joe Poo's uh, son and he yeah. drank his own pee. Yeah. Kenny <laughs> Allen was a kid that called that kid was hysterical. Now, was so, Kenny Allen your son? Well, how could that be? Why I don't know. I know. Wouldn't I know if it was? Yes, you son? would know. That's what yeah. I am asking. I will only say this. I think Kenny Allen was Joe Jr. Joe I think Jr. that's the thing. You think he had yeah. multiple characters? Yeah, I think it was the same kid. Now, here's the thing, Al. What difference does it make? <laughs> I need to you know. know why that that is what keeps you being because, as tight assed as you are. Well, because you do a show now with your daughter. And yeah. if Kenny Allen was your son, that's the, the the fact that your family grew up doing this is awesome. Like, I, I love the idea when I, when I don't know where I heard this from. But when yeah. I heard Kenny Allen was your son, I was like, that is genius. Yeah. Well, everything about it's genius. Uh, he but always wanted Kenny to be Allen a ro- Kenny Allen always wanted to be a robot or pretend yeah. robots. And then wouldn't let us. We would try to play with him. And he was telling us we were doing it the wrong way, which, <laughs> by the so. way, like, is, where does that even come from? I'm going to tell you something right Kenny yeah. Al, Al. Uh The the thing is, Gail's daughter is very much when you play with her, she tries to tell you what to say <laughs> in the bit. She's always like, no. And then she will do a line read for you. She's two and a half. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, my kids grew up with me and Fez and. Uh, you know, we were joking all the time. Um, everybody, you know, got it. And, uh, I don't know, maybe it's like being a trapeze family or something. Right. It's in your blood. Um, but you, uh, you, uh, still not knowing after 20 still. years is, uh, is hysterical. Correct. Um, and not known of the jobber was your son who, yeah. who he could have been everybody. I don't he know. He could have been everybody. Who knows? What's going now, on? Here's the other thing. I, I, I think it's funny that you act like you didn't know that you were trying to annoy Opie when you broke the foosball table, which, by the way, wasn't even Opes. You know no, what I mean? no, I, I did know I was I did know I was uh, I was being uh, used in that way on the program. I, I did catch on to that. But yeah, and even the way you did the like I had I got drunk, accidentally made out with another man and kicked over Anthony's foosball table. Right. First so all, after after replacing that in the office, not on the air, back in the office, you go, no, it would be great. Pinball machine back there. It'd be awesome. All the guys would love it. You should try to get one. I go, oh, it's a great idea. So a guy is willing to give us a pinball machine and trade it out every few months. You sick and tired of the Rolling Stone pinball machine? We'll bring you the Kiss pinball machine. Right. So the guy brings it in. And uh, on the air, of course, I say that I got the pinball machine. I bought it for Opie. So then he smashes. It's a 1966 Rolling Stones pinball machine. It's now in pieces. And the guy calls me and says, did they really smash my? I go, yeah, it's, it's in pieces. They've smashed your pinball machine. And it wasn't my pinball machine. And I didn't purchase it for Opie. But again, the whole thing happens. And now I'm in the mid- Now there's a smashed pinball machine. Now I owe this guy a pinball machine. Like it was chaos. That place was but, chaos. But here's the thing. You're in the middle of a classic bit. Why aren't you celebrating that? <laughs> I can um, celebrate. It, yeah. it, it's like 
I have this tape of when uh, when uh, I was uh, leaving the show and you guys had put together this tape. And, and on the thing, you say, uh, you know, I bet you, you know, in a number of years, we're going to look back on this. He's going to really enjoy his work. And I can now I can look right. back. It's 20 years. But at the well, moment, it was very stressful. Well, thank God for that. You know what I mean? Thank yes. God that you had a, a, a thing like that. Now you're able to handle every other part of your life. <laughs> oh, you everything's know, simple the, now. Yeah. But do you know the success, the people that have done our show that are going off and doing other things? Yeah, because they know how to put together a show. They're not just getting coffee like a lot of producers. You ever see a lot of producers? You find out that they're making, uh, you know, dinner reservations or right. picking up clothes. I never did that to the producers. You know, I'd had them get down on the ground and, and go down on a on a go go dancer. That's the kind of thing that you need to learn how to do. It. I also thought it was funny when we were when we were there at NEW and we thought, you know, we were really, you know, getting our asses kicked being producers on the show. And then, well, one of your producers from Florida came up and it was like, these guys got it easy compared to what we were doing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, that was Flipper, I, I mean, think, came up. Yeah, uh, I remember when we used to do that show, it was much more physical. Uh, there was much more physicality that took place. All this stuff um, would be seen as, you know, uh, uh, as bad these days. So obviously yes. people don't do it anymore. But at the time, that was the game. That's what everybody, you know, had to do to be to be a part of it. And like I said, everybody went on and has done very well. You know, look at you. You're sitting there at the fan every day. You don't have to do anything. You're no, watching the easy. show take place. You know, I just see you acting like you're on the computer, but nothing happens. No, I'm just on you, Twitter. You, you bring nothing to the show. You're, you're zero help to them. It does make me think with your show over the years, you change out producers a lot. And I actually think that's a good thing. Right. Like you're. Yeah. And I think about that. Like I wouldn't want my show to change me out but i get why you would want to shake it up every couple of years and go you know let's get a new person in here because each person like i thought that uh and this wasn't at new but i thought when dave came on as your producer that guy like took it then to a took like whatever i was doing and took that to another level where he did that to annoy the audience and physical stuff like he yeah He's unbelievable. He was unbelievable. Yeah. And now and now he has a morning show in Jersey. Yes. I'm telling you, in, in terms of like if we ever put together the list of producers all time, you're not even top 10. Al. I <laughs> exactly. mean, you and you all also did what I consider like the night that you decided to make out with that guy. And Tricked. then you then you cried and laid in Mike Colt's <laughs> arms. And I'll never seriously, I'll never forget that night because I'm like, I don't know guys like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was I funny, don't yeah. I don't know this kind of softness. And I never uh, knew anyone as sensitive as Mike Calta, who would sit there and hold on to you. While yeah, you that, were was stopping nice. to him. that was I uh, did appreciate that. Yeah. And then we went yeah. to go see Bon Jovi. I think the next day he took me. And then uh, you're like. I uh, I'm like you're you're worried that you look gay and look what you're doing now <laughs> and you're in your so-called straight life you're lying in another person's arms on the, the, to him 
on the drinking shows, I think I actually talked myself into getting drunker quicker because they knew the minute I started drinking, I was no longer responsible for and everybody liked you. If you remember, right. Everybody liked you during those shows. Right. Because I would just trash everybody at work, you know. Yeah, you were great. And Anthony crew (laughs) management. Yeah. You suddenly weren't this tight ass. Uh, You were a lot of fun. You should. I don't. There's this Danish movie right now called Another Round. You should be drinking every day. That's the thing. That's the real you. That's the you everybody likes. Right. Yeah. Talkative. Outgoing. This other asexual effeminate guy that you play this strange Republican. Yeah. I mean, like I. The the January 6th, I'm like, is that how there was about six different times where I thought I saw you running through the Capitol? I was not. No, that was not me. I did not go through the Capitol. Is this the only reason that you asked me to do this? You're like this whole thing of what is the truth? You're like an ex-girlfriend who wants to get back and talk to you after 20 years to find out what happened. What, right. What was it about me that ended the relationship? <laughs> what well, was the, the what was the show prep like for you and Fez before you got to us? Like, what did you and Fez like when you would come in? I know you guys would uh, take the train in together. Yeah. W- would you guys talk prior to that or would on the train? Would you ha- would you guys throw around ideas of what types of topics or how did that I know there was like Fez used to keep this list of kind of fun topics that were evergreen things that right. you know, things yeah. that weren't going on in the news. But if you if it was a slow day or whatever. But how did you guys decide what you were going to open with? To me, that's always like the big one, right? Like, what are you opening with? And how, how would you guys figure that out? You know, I don't really, you know, because that evolves all the time over your career, whether it's a piece of news or whether it's a bit. And I remember when we decided to be very phone driven, we wanted to uh, at first give out something that anybody would have an, uh, uh, an idea about. You know what I mean? Anybody would have an opinion and think they had the correct opinion. Um, and then after that, we got more and more Uh, kind of sophisticated when we would start and write half a joke and ask them to finish it. And quite frankly, I thought that was some of the best shit ever because it was the most interactive stuff that we've probably ever done. And that audience was so funny and so brutal. And I know for a fact, some of those jokes showed up on different some of those jokes from that showed up on different shows whether it was television or radio or something else you know that there were people that were running with that and i guess it was almost like it was a prequel to uh twitter in a way um where people do that kind of stuff now on twitter uh but that i mean there was just great nights of that Comedy really pyramids. Yeah, the comedy pyramids where you just you're writing jokes and they're the audience is literally topping those jokes. And you know, Fez could have been like uh, a gag writer uh, with you know Mel Brooks or something. I mean, he's that good. Uh, also, so was Billy Staples. Billy Staples was the type 
type of guy who you'd say, I need an idea. And he would write a hundred <laughs> and you would go, here's 99 shitty ideas. <laughs> and this last one is funny. And he would go great. Right. That's I what I wanted it. to ask you. Like what, yeah. when Billy Staples was hired as a, say as a writer, what was his job? Just it was that, that, I guess. Right. Yeah. It was that, uh, and I mean, like he never wrote jokes for me and Fez. Not you know, live. He, just, he wouldn't write jokes. Like Jackie, the joke um, man would write live things for Howard. Billy would write, prepare stuff. Like you said, like a list of things. And then yeah, you'd go would, through them and find yeah. one good one. Yeah. And that would be normally show topics or the other funny part of it was bringing him in and reading off his shitty ideas and making him defend it, which he would 100 percent. You know what I mean? And that would always be really, really funny. Um I don't know how we came up with the bit where he uh, wiped his ass with your paycheck, though. Yeah. But there, that was a work that turned into a shoot with you. You were insane. <laughs> right. He wiped his. Uh, yeah, this was prior to uh, direct deposit. And he uh, wiped his uh, his poop on my check, which I but have to obviously. Yeah. But that could have been a direct deposit. I mean, that could have been the new term for, for it. Direct deposit. <laughs> Wiping your ass with somebody else's check. Yeah. I remember, actually, I think I, I cursed on the air because I remember that had to get beeped out. That's how that's how furious I was. But you knew he was going to do it, right? I did know he was going to do it. Yes. But just his attitude while he was doing it. I didn't care for that. I know. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That's when you know that you're in the goddamn bit when that that's when you know that it's working. And then what but, happened with with Joe Pooh? So Joe Pooh also came aboard. I feel like he was very young at the time. Like he, oh, I feel yeah, like he, he was, was like crazy. 20, 21 years yeah. old. So he would just call up and say, I eat my own poo. This was his yeah. thing. And, and he would do it at the most inappropriate times. And it was always funny. And then we asked him to come down. All he was really doing, though, was kind of fighting with somebody on the air. Uh, yeah. One of the others, uh, I heard from him, I don't know, several years ago. Yeah. I forget what it was. And he was like, I wish I would have went more with that opportunity. And I'm like, I think you took it as far as you could. You know yeah, actually, I, mean? I talked to him about a year ago. Yeah. And uh, what's funny is I'm uh, Facebook friends with him and he will still like, I'll be like, um, happy birthday, mom, 77. He'll write under it. I eat my own poo. I'm like, she doesn't yeah. want to hear that. She doesn't know right. what that means. He's still doing it on Facebook. I eat my own poo under people's things. But did he? That's Good the real question. question. That's what we never figured out. I felt like Joe Poo, when he came in to be uh, a writer or an idea guy, I feel like he really struggled with that. And I don't yeah. know. What do you think happened there? Was he just too young or was he? Well, look, not everybody loves radio. You know what I mean? I fell into radio. Anthony fell into radio. But both of us ended up enjoying it. But a lot of people, I mean, the entire process uh, is like what, what you were saying about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The entire process. I mean, I, I really think that the best shows are supposed to blow up. You know what I mean? The best yeah. shows are supposed to not last all that long. And if you look at that NEW lineup, uh, all of everybody did, you know, come apart at one point or another doesn't mean that everybody isn't out doing what they want they they want to do now you know but all the teams uh it, hit some kind of a wall i think like with the joe poo thing 
I think you, from what I saw of it, it felt like that you guys thought he was a very funny kid that wasn't pushing himself. So you guys would push him for him, hoping it would get him over some sort of hump. I mean, I, I think that uh, that you're thinking back on this on a level that I don't really even remember that much. I'm very but, reflective. Yeah, but I mean, kids come and go. There's no doubt about it. You know what I mean? And, you know, the, the tough ones stick it out and other people are just like, oh, man, this is not this is not worth the price. But to people like us, it always was worth the price. So people who think differently aren't in our tribe. You know right. what I mean? It's just a different way of doing stuff. That's all. Doesn't mean that anybody's wrong and anybody else is right. It's just like, well, this is the way, you know, we're just going to keep on going. When uh, this, the company tried to do 92.3 Free FM and brought Opie and Anthony back and you guys back, the format was dead already, though, right? Like, I feel like terrestrial radio was, as far as the talk format on terrestrial radio was not in a good like you couldn't do what we did at NEW. Uh, I would certainly disagree because I mean, our last book there, we got a big bonus and everything. Uh, we were we were killing it. But I think I think that you need such a strong program director in that kind of thing that's able to have the conversations that we're having right now. You know what I mean about, hey, go with it. Don't go with it. Do drop it tomorrow. you got to have something else. So don't feel so cocky. You really need somebody like that to explain things. And O&A were already in whatever their O&A problems were that they yeah. knew before the long before the rest of us knew. You know what I mean? Uh, and. Uh, then they had a couple other shows on there that, you know, they weren't kind of going to work in New York. They might have worked somewhere else. But I don't think that they had a I don't think they had a management team who knew what to do to know how to move stuff around. And you got to have the right guy there all the time. Yeah. So then what led eventually to Fez deciding to retire from radio? Because he, you guys went to JFK after NEW, then to Satellite Radio, and you'd been right. doing shows for many, many, many years. Yeah. Well, Fez has got a lot of, I mean, he just recently, has, like in the past two weeks, had another massive heart attack where he died twice. He uh, died and they had to get his heart started. They put him on a ventilator for a couple of days. And when they took him off the ventilator, he, his heart stopped again. So he's had a massive amount of health problems over the years. Um, and, you know, part of it is he's got a weak ticker. He just got, he got a shit heart from jump street, I guess. Does he look back on his radio life as that was a great time and that was cool. And a hundred percent. He does. Yeah. He loves it. And we talk about, you know, I mean, his memory is much better than mine, but, uh, you know, he knows, look, nobody was doing a gay voice on the air. And when people tried to shame him, he handed them their ass time and time and time again. I mean, he did that voice in Redneck, Florida. When I started in Florida, 
I was getting anti-Semitic things because I was nasal. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they were like, this guy must be a Jew from New York because he's neighbor. And all I did was try to learn some Yiddish terms that I would then start to drop in just to make them crazier. So when when Fez came in and started doing the Fez voice, those rednecks went fucking crazy at first, but they all ended up loving him. Same thing when he came to New York. No one could believe it. And they all ended up loving him. Did he feel a lot of pressure to do those fezitorials every Friday? He loves it, dude. I know he loves it, he, but I, I would think like the pressure to like what is going to be the perfect topic that fits into the to the fezitorial right. script. Here's the thing. The difference, the way reason why you can't understand that is that you have zero talent. <laughs> Fez has immense talent. Oh, I see this. This thing of writing that and making people laugh was a, a driving factor in his life. And that's why, like you were talking about, if somebody came in and they were like, this is too hard, Fez wasn't going to be able to relate to that. You know what I mean? Of course, it'd be like if somebody on a football team telling you that it hurts to tackle people and they get exhausted at running around and they'd like to sit down for a while. You're just going to say, this is not where this is not for you. You know, Fez loved that. Uh, Billy Staples loved that kind of stuff. Uh, I my guys now, Chris Stanley, Vito, love it. Gail loves it. So that's the kind of people that you want in your life. Earl still doesn't get it after all these years. The thing that Earl is great at is being Earl. And 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 that's what he brings to it. I always say in this uh, thing that we do, you're either going to tell the joke or be the joke. It's up to you. It doesn't matter. But a joke is going to get done. You know, and we need all we need people to be the joke. Also, like a hundred percent. Think to the guys that people hung out with in high school. One guy was going to be the butt of the jokes. Right. Mm-hmm. One guy doesn't mean everybody doesn't love him because they appreciate that. Because they don't have to be that guy. He doesn't show up. Somebody else has to fall into that position. So, yeah, you need all the colors in the rainbow to make the the thing work out. Uh, But I have to tell you, Al, and I'm listening to you here. and You got to be one of the worst interviewers I've ever heard in my life. Because it's all just about you and your feelings. Yeah, how did I fit in? Yeah, this is nothing about capturing what happened at NEW. Here's what I would do. I wouldn't I wouldn't air this episode <laughs> and I would delete the Anthony and then uh, tell everyone else. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's uh, not going to work we, out. We've decided not to do it. I'm having a mid I'm in the last midlife crisis of my entire life. And did I'm going to did, did you uh, ever marry? No, not yet. I do have a girlfriend of six years. I, I don't believe still you. Still not married. I where is she? Niagara Falls, <laughs> Ontario, Canada. That's that's no, right. You're an asexual. <laughs> and uh, please put me on with her. I want to tell her nothing is going forward. Is she much younger than you, Al? No, uh, very similar age. She's like two years younger than me. So yeah, well, she's thrown away any opportunity that th- there is right. for happiness. Potentially. I was hoping to the one thing I wanted to get out of this is who's Kenny Allen. And I'm still going to end with this is was still going to uh, I'm going to walk away from this. Still no answers. Years hey, later. What? Yeah. Well, 
That's the beauty of it, right? Do you, do you like how uh, at the NEW time, if we had Twitter and videos and Instagrams, would you have liked that or would that have uh, ruined it for you? I will tell you, this is uh, it's funny that you brought that up because I remember being surprised that ronfez.net started at that time, right? And then one, I'm like, that's weird. You know, people writing about the show um, and what they think and who they think should be fired and who they think is good, who they think stinks. And then uh, one night, I, I think I got a call or maybe it was an email and they go, hey, we're having a Ron and Fez uh, get together at Hooters and we would love for you to be there. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I decide when there's Ron and Fez get togethers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've done this for a long time. I planned the big party. We put on a show and it's, you know, you sit down, you watch it, but it had changed. You know what I mean? It had changed where they were like, what we have in common is that we listen to a show and then we go and talk and we do stuff too. And we meet each other and we have sex or whatever we do. And I'm like, okay, you got to roll with this. You know what I mean? Like that changed. And then Twitter, of course, changed stuff and Instagram changes stuff. But I remember like when we in Florida and we did a, you know, we would do a gig. We wouldn't know who was going to show up. You know what I mean? We weren't selling tickets. So we'd say, well, we'll be at this thing and everybody would show up and they wouldn't know each other. They would stand next to each other. But once the websites started and the board started, they would talk to each other and start to plan their own things. And it, it in my opinion, it changed everything a lot um, because it kind of meant like the, the, the problem I have with like any of that stuff is now the show isn't over. You know what I mean? You're talking about writing a fezzatorial. People expect somebody to write a, a funny tweet, uh, do a funny Instagram. You know what I mean? Even, and you're like, but this isn't even the show. Or they'd want the fezzatorial immediately after it aired to be on a video on social media. Where's the fezzatorial? Yeah. And that, uh, you know, and of course, life goes on, technology goes on, but it did take away from radio itself. Radio stopped being the friend and the friend is now the telephone and radio was on the telephone, you know? Yeah, I also liked not knowing what, what the radio host looked like and the studio is always a mystery to me. Like if 60 minutes ever did a piece on a radio person, you, you could peek in and be like, what does their studio look like now? Everything is just out there. Right. And uh, I remember when the studios were always on the outside of town, you know what I mean? Like JFK had Howard and, you know, Donna Mike, and it was a big, big radios. And I went there and I'm like, this is a shit box. You know what I mean? It's in Fairfax, Virginia. They haven't updated their stuff, nothing. And that's how radio stations used to be. They used to be on the outside of town, you know, and now it's supposed to look like, you know, Facebook or some shit. And what's the biggest difference for you now with the, with satellite versus what NEW was like, what is the, what are the things that you see as a big difference? Well, everything of course is different because you uh you can't shock anymore and now everybody has a podcast you know what i mean like your listeners have podcasts your guests have podcasts you know what i mean everybody yeah. has one 
uh, ball players have podcasts, actors have podcasts, and they all pretend that they're doing radio and they go, you know, I always wanted to do radio. I go, this isn't radio. Um, even I'm not doing radio and satellite. I'm, I'm doing something different than radio. Do you feel like you're still doing radio today in sports radio? Uh, I guess, but it feels it feels different in that there it's I feel like there's so many less shared experiences now, like the audience is so uh, broken up. So the amount of people listening to radio now versus during the NEW time, I think has shrunk a lot and they're people are just spread out everywhere now. So it's not like right. everybody's not hearing like Mike and the mad dog. That was a, a thing everybody listened to if you were into sports right. and now it, that be, being into sports, you could, your interests can now be spread over so many different things that you're just listening to. So I, it feels weird. It does feel weird. I think it's always funny too, with the sports is like, it's always football season. Now it's constant right. football talk. And I'm like, I really don't care. I don't care who gets traded. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay attention to my team when we go rolling back in September. I don't want to think about it during April. Yeah, it never ends. The season goes on forever. That happened with yeah. like the NFL channel on Sirius, the MLB yeah. channel. They just do right. it year round. And where did uh, the Cs come from? Where you would go? Sue. That that was the old uh, run around show. It was uh, just like a thing that took off. And, uh, you know, like everything else, it gets more embarrassing every year. And, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I don't know. We used to say, see you like that. I don't know why. I used to like sometimes, I, I forget the NEW show. It would go off at 11 or 10. I think maybe at 11 it would end. And it's starting at 10 o'clock. People were calling up. I just want to do a see you. We still got yeah, an just, hour left of the show to yeah, go. I just want to say see you to everybody. I thought the see has worked great during comedy pyramids. Where yeah. people would give their thing out. They go, see so, was like their the way they would uh, punctuate their line right or something so now you do uh the bennington show with gail your daughter gail mm -hmm. when did she first seem like she was interested in uh, in doing radio she was always two feet away from us most of our entire life you know when me and fez uh, and we'd take shows out on the road, even as a little kid, she'd be going along with us and, uh, all any of the conversations, Fez used to come over the house all the time. I'd go to the bed and him and my kids would sit up watching TV and having fun. Um, so she's always been around it. It's just as natural as anything else. Hmm. I like it. Uh, do you think Fez would do something like this? Well, would sit uh, right down now and discuss. Yeah. I, I see. Here's the thing. I'll be honest. I mean, I would bring it up to him, but you've aggravated me, yeah. and he, he could end up dying. Why he screams at you? You don't know what you're talking about, right? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I made Fez. I think Fez has been mad at me for a while because there was something that you guys were doing in studio on satellite, where you know what, he, it, you know what it was, Al. What? It was a 9-11. We were getting everybody back together oh, in right. 9-11. And you acted like, you're uh, right. fuck you guys. <laughs> no, so, it wasn't like that. But you're right. So, I said, no, I can't come in studio. That would be against my policies. Right. And That's here's the true. thing. Wow. It's almost like you said it to the victims of 9-11. Right. Not so much to us. You know, I thought it was something much uh, not as serious. But now that you say that, that does make sense. Yeah. 
All right, I understand now. You should have understood anyway. I should have. But yeah, I remember saying, well, I could call, but I can't come in. I think the company would not like that. I, I'm going to tell you again. This is not an interview. about. This is about you. Yeah. And who you think doesn't like you and why you can't commit to your girlfriend. Right. And, and quite frankly, I mean, I would expect this out of a much younger man. Yeah. But this is needy. And it seems like it's going on forever. I'm 52. I'll be 52 this year. That's old. No one gives a fuck out. Oh, yeah. You're just a fucking crazy old man who he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a blow up doll sitting in that fucking Woodbridge apartment with you. I've moved since Woodbridge. Yeah. I'm down the Jersey Shore now. Where? Bradley Beach by uh, Asbury Park. It's like a next town over. Are you right on the beach? You're I looking am. at the ocean? Okay. It's a very tiny. Yeah. Tiny well, home. Everything about you has ocean. been, yeah. I'm going to come down and I'm going to bring drugs and oh. I'm going to bring bikers and we're going to finally fucking make you an adult. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. It's too You're late. Be, yeah. No, this is going to be the coming of age summer. It's white boy summer for Al Dukes. Uh, I'm going to get a hold of Anthony. I'm going to get a hold of Vopi, Don and Mike. I'm going to get the radio chick in here and oh. everybody's going to get together and sacrifice you. All of the sports guys. Hopefully, you could get a couple of those guys. Spots, guys. Spots, guys. Uh, Al, this can't go on all night. No, no, we're we are good. Nothing, nothing came out of this. This This has been perfect. Look, please, to everybody else who worked at NEW, do not do this show. I can't tell you how aggravated I am now, and how this just had to do with Al. Yeah, and nothing else. Well, that's why I need to talk to Fez as well. I must apologize for the 9-11 thing and if, then also see how else I could learn about myself by talking to Fez. I'm telling you right now, you will kill him. You will literally kill him. I do not want to do that. So maybe after he feels better. Why? How long is this fucking NEW look back at your life going to go? Nobody ever wants to go to a high school reunion. Yeah. Now. Because we run into people like you who suddenly get bold as the years go along. Like, hey, hey, guys, why did everybody used to pull my shorts down in front of the girl? You know, we're like, yeah. I don't fucking know. Right. Well, I'm right just now. looking, been really but just been looking back this year. So it's just a look back for me. So thank you for uh, uh, looking back with me. This has look, been terrific. Can I tell you something? Yes. I'm going to, as soon as I hang up with you, I'm going to call my lawyer. And if this runs... <laughs> I will sue you and I will sue you. Uh, who's the carrier here? What is we're, this a, we're a new company now, Odyssey. We're going to Inter- sue Intercom Odyssey. Change their name to Odyssey. Odyssey, Odyssey, what we're doing this year. You ought to see it. Okay, Al. Uh, we do again. see is at the end. Yeah, you do All the right. first. All right. So right, you ready? Yeah. Hello. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.